are back. Warp and Move Radio, Radio Next.TV at the Cool Brew site, coming to you on Wednesdays from 11 to 11.50. Glad to be able to do so. And you see the banner behind us, the Cominius Institute, is what supports Warp and Move Radio. At the Cominius Institute, we cross three bridges. The first bridge is into college, and that college ministry is at IUPUI, where I help young Christian college students think Christianly about their studies. I actually have a great opportunity to teach there as well and teach with a fantastic group of faculty on the campus. Grateful to be there. The second bridge that we cross is into community, which is what we're doing right now. And the whole point of that is the radio show. We've been doing this for four years, have over 200 episodes. We've had over 250 guests with us over all of that time. You can find our stuff on iTunes with the Cominius Institute or Working with Radio. Also at our websites, cominiusinstitute.org.com and warpandwoof.org, that's W-A-R-P-A-N-D-W-O-O-F.org. Find all of our uh, broadcasts there, some archived uh, Facebook footage there as well. The third bridge we cross is in the culture. So every Tuesday, for instance, uh, something called Truth in Two comes out, and Truth in Two is a Christian truth in two minutes. This last week, for instance, this week's actually, is on complete equality. I made up a new word decided that we needed something to segue complementarianism with equality and helping people to understand that both are true, that we complement each other and we're both equal with each other. And of course, that was the beginning of Women's History Month, picture of my wife Robin and I on the cover of that particular episode. And then it just is so obvious that we need to begin our month on the radio show with Women's History Month again. And so we have with us here today a very important person who has just written a book. Her name is Angie Ward. Make sure that you go out, run out, and get a copy of this. This is from Nav Press. I am a leader. Angie Ward, we're really grateful to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Mark. It's great to be back. That's wonderful. We had a wonderful opportunity with you and a number of other women from around Indianapolis who are doing good in the community a few years ago, and that was a great show. Uh, that's archived someplace as well, I yeah. think. Uh, we can go back and grab that stuff. But I'm holding this up uh, again for everybody to see. Uh, this is an important book, I think, for everybody to understand, not just simply in leadership studies, uh, but specifically, I think, uh, what you're calling has been for a long time is to emphasize uh, women's leadership. Mm-hmm. And that's really uh, crucial. So why don't you just give us an overview of why women in leadership, I mean, you know, you and I could probably pontificate on this for an hour, but give us uh, an overview of why this is such an important topic and book. Uh, Yeah, so um, important, I think it's it's always been an important topic. I think uh, the last few years it's been really uh, risen to the surface issues of power and uh, the Me Too and then the Church Too movement. And so um, I actually started working on this book before all of that blew up. It just mm. happens, the book happens to drop right in the middle of these conversations. Mm. But um, And then, you know, the Christian side, you've got John MacArthur telling Beth Moore to stay home or to go home, you know. And, I mean, and so there's just a lot of conversation, a lot of emotion, a lot of questions. And, um, and really, this comes out of my own journey as a woman and as a leader and how do those things fit and what is calling. And so it really started with just my own journey and reflection and then hopefully now you know a book that can be helpful to a lot of other women and men during this time of heightened conversation about absolutely this. I, this you know kind of leads us easily into telling us 
about who you are, what you do, and this brand new opportunity that's coming up here. Yeah. Uh, so I currently live here in Indianapolis, uh, not for long. I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, uh, so I'm a ministry, let's see, I, I wear many hats. So ministry and leadership writer, teacher, coach, consultant, mom, pastor's wife, a uh, variety of hats at different times, but um, all under the broader uh, kind of umbrella of uh, leadership development for ministry leaders, for men and women. Um, I kind of fell into the, the leadership book for women, but also work with a lot of different churches and, and uh, teach at different schools as, as you do, and that's, I think, how we first met right. uh, doing that. Um, so that's what I've been doing, working from home, writing, uh, doing some speaking, teaching, that type of stuff. Um, my husband's a pastor, but as you mentioned, in um, actually three weeks, I am uh, hitting the road. I, I'm going first with the dog and our stuff to Denver, Colorado, and then uh, Dave, my husband, will join me about a month after that. Uh, we feel God's uh, call and direction and uh, just a lot of uh, confirmation mm -hmm. for us to go out there. I'm going to start a position at Denver Seminary as assistant director of their doctor of ministry program. Somebody said, that's a lot of words. <laughs> we like a lot of words in the academy. But yes, uh, working with doctoral students, helping them with their research, uh, um, helping provide leadership administration program, and then doing some teaching as well. Um, and that's where my husband and I met and married, so um, we're looking forward to getting back there. Getting back, almost back home. In, in some sense. ways, yeah. It's yeah. been a while, but with a lot of connections. Though. That's really wonderful. Uh, just so everybody realizes, this is huge for us, I think, um, to have Angie in a position of leadership in a conservative evangelical seminary. Let me just be right out front and say that. Uh, quite frankly, it's one of those things uh, that's been long past due, and uh, I'm just thrilled that it's you. Well, thanks, yeah. I'm, and I'm very uh, excited about, uh, you know, just Denver Seminary and, and where yeah. it's going and opportunities there. And Looking forward to impacting men and women classroom and students right. programs. Yeah. And so since you know you've emphasized that a couple times, let me just suggest here's the subtitle When Women Discover the Joy of Their Calling, uh, which I think is an important point to make with everybody that um, if you're a woman who is uh, thinking about these kinds of issues as it relates to leadership, I mean this is the book for you. Uh, so you want to jump on this and, uh, and have a read uh, that I think is really going to be an encouragement. One of the things that stood out to me, and speaking of uh, women who were in the book, um, I loved the fact that you did all of these interviews. So at the end of the book, everybody, uh, there are the names of all of these individuals, just first names, but there's three columns of them. Yeah, there. there's over 50. There's over 50 yeah. people that were invested in this thing. Yeah. And I, I got to tell you, that was one of my favorite parts of the book. So why don't you tell us uh, you know, a story or two about some of these ladies who invested some time with you, uh, maybe some things that stood out to you as, as important to say to folks that, hey, this is uh, what others have gone through and you might be going through this too. Yeah, oh, wow, where to begin? So yeah, many stories, sure. and, I, and I say in the book, I'm just so honored that they allowed me to kind of carry and share their stories mm -hmm. um, for the book. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I talked to a bunch of different women. I just wanted, I asked them questions like, you know, just what's your experience with calling and living that out and what does that look like for you? Um, just as I was trying to make sense of that for my own life and, and um, you know, for the book. Um, and so uh, somebody yesterday said, well, it was my favorite part of the book, and that's my favorite as well. It's mm -hmm. just having all those different voices in there. Um, and talk, got to talk to women of all ages, different ethnicities, diff all sorts of, like, geographic locations around the world, actually. Wow. All sorts of... Um, seasons of life and, and stages and types of ministry. And so 
Uh, you know, I have a, a woman in uh, uh, Australia who's with a, a nonprofit, a parachurch ministry, and and um, uh, husband has some chronic or some has some major health issues. Uh, and so, like she said, this isn't how I designed this for us to work things out. You know, mm -hmm. and so, but this is how God is working through our story. You know, mm -hmm. and then I've got. Um, talk to young some young moms who are like late 20s early 30s and they've been told by a lot more people you can do anything you want you can be anything which is great they're getting more of that you know message and then they're realizing uh, it, I may have the opportunity and some of that generations ahead may not have had but I still have my own limitations and coming to terms with that you know and um, and uh, my husband jokes about how I can make people by the questions I ask. I'll, I'll try not to do that to you. Oh, I don't think I'm in the interviewee seat today, but, um, but it was just such, I felt it was sacred space with each of these women hearing their stories, and as it, they reflected me with them, I mean, there were a lot of holy and emotional moments, mm -hmm. you know, and that just powerful. Yeah. Um, sharing that. And so I was just encouraged, just, you know, hearing God's faithfulness through their stories and, um, yeah, just kind of, we just, bonded through that experience. There's, there's very much a shared sisterhood, yeah. you know, and um, one of the things I write early in the book is I want women, um, you know, influencers, which is how I define leadership, um, to realize that they're unique, but they're not alone. And I think sharing these stories, you know, was another piece of that and, and talking with these different women and, yeah, just learning from their wisdom. Yeah. I mean, that, there's, that's the strength of the book. It's just their collective wisdom, I think. Sure. Well, it certainly stands out. I mean, when you go to the back of the book and you see these 50-plus names, it's really impressive. Um, one of the things that stood out to me as I'm reading uh, the reading of the book, I have to read a couple sections here that just kind of stood out to me. The final option is to take a leap of faith and trust God to provide. Indeed, according to Os Guinness, holy folly is central to the call of discipleship. And believers are often called to be obedient without knowing the final outcomes. Holy folly? Well, that's what he says. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's kind of it's a, you know the um, wisdom of God seems foolish to man, you know. And so in there, was that the chapter on money or I can't or maybe on challenges? You know, it's like uh, money. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely um, times where things don't make they don't make sense on the outsider to like the, the rational mind, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, uh, um, but it's clear that God's moving in that. Yeah. yeah. I just loved it that you quoted, uh, Oskinis on that one, yeah. especially that, those, that line, yeah. holy folly. Yeah. I think, I think just it's such a great description because it's craziness, but there's a holiness. Yeah. 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 And you know, your connection, of course, to first Corinthians is, is huge there. And I'm just going to continue on because now you quote Dallas Willard in the same paragraph. I mean, and, I gotta get all the heavyweights. Well, yeah, I mean, you brought it. Yeah, you brought exactly. it. You did not bring it weak. Yeah, this is good. So Dallas Willard points out, however, that faith is not actually a wild, desperate leap. It's confidence grounded in reality. And then you write, in other words, when believers orient their lives around God's principles, a leap is not really a blind jump, but rather a clear next step. And I love that uh, clear next step line because that really is what we really talk about while we believe in a supernatural realm that controls and oversees providence and sovereignty at the same time we recognize we have responsibilities here on earth uh, so it was really kind of cool to see uh, your you know your emphasis on holy folly and then the, the confidence that we can have even mm -hmm. when we're living on, uh, on the 
planet, you know, that we might not always know next steps. Yeah, I think we, I mean, we mythologize or mysticize calling so much. It has to be this grandiose thing and you know it's like and you know by faith Abraham left his people into this big thing and God sometimes you know does that but um, and it calls us as something that just a lot of times that holy folly but if you're walking with him which he wants us more than what we can do for him and so if we're if we are walking step by step with them is just that next step you know and so you know in the book I say like what what is your next thing it could just be a phone call it could be you know it's it's not necessarily oh my gosh uh, you know I've got to sell everything and do this and leave this and that kind of thing it's like uh, okay what's the next step and even in my own situation right now we're packing our house we're getting ready to move we've got a house in Denver we've been some work on it so I'm managing projects long distance plus the book and all that and 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 so I'm laying there at night and feeling the, the stress level just rising and I, my breath gets shorter and shallower and God goes your next thing is to sleep <laughs> There you go. You're not going to be able to pack your house right now at 2 in the morning, or you don't need to. No. The other things will wait. You go to bed. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> that's my next thing. You know, so he re he's reminding me of my own <laughs> writing. Yeah, the, and the limitations. Uh, yeah. And since you bring this up, I, I have to say, uh, one of the things that you write about, and I see I write page numbers. I see your notes, there. yeah. Yeah, so page 49 uh, on women speak, and just before I say that about the thing I wanted to say. I feel like I'm all over the place here. I'm just so excited about this book that um, one of the cool things that you did with this book was this kind of a, I don't know what kind of a page coloring that is. It's kind of like a backdrop. I know. That's my designer people. Isn't that cool? It's really cool. So, you know, look at this page, you know, it's just a, a little bit discolored and it stands out in a way that was really attractive to me. Anyway, one of the uh, individuals here talked about the issue of relocation. And uh, you're about to relocate, and this particular story that's being told <clears throat> is being told about a pastor and a wife. Why don't you tell everybody about your situation? Because you are in a unique situation where you you are the one now mm -hmm. with a full-time job. Yeah. So explain oh, all that. The wife and the pastor. The exactly. Right. Yeah, right. tell everybody. Uh, yeah, so, and um, feel free to ask, you know, additional questions if I'm getting off track, but uh, we, um, so I'm going to take this position at Denver Seminary. Um, Dave and I felt a stirring that there was maybe a next for us in ministry. We didn't know what that would look like or what that was going to be. Uh, we were in Colorado last fall for a month of study leave, which had been planned a year prior, mm -hmm. and uh, went to Denver because we had friends there, and Dave's focus was studying and preaching, and that was a good place near Denver Seminary to do that. Um, and uh, and during our time out there, toward the end of that, I was approached about a possibility of this position, um, of this kind of newly formulated position, and um, Dave was encouraging from the get-go, mm -hmm. and um, he... And he's always been very supportive, very encouraging, not only with this book, but uh, other ministry and, and such of things. But um, I should say, not but. And as we came into this empty nest season of our kids being at Indiana University now, um, uh, I, you know, as Dave and I were talking about that, I said, you know, when our kids, our last one went off to college in the fall, you went to work the very next day and your life changed very little. You went in the office mm -hmm. like you normally do, you preached on Sundays. My life has shifted dramatically as far as my primary time and um, even in some ways my identity. I'm not Taylor Jameson's mom now, you know. And, and, and so we just start praying about like, we, the way we put it is we wanted both of us to have 
exclamation marks over our calling. And, mm -hmm. and so Dave's still in process of where, what his exclamation point will be. He's talking to several different churches, but um, as I was sharing with you, you know, before we started this, uh, this broadcast, uh, a few, I think a few months ago, and he shared this multiple times, uh, he, he felt God saying, Dave, your calling is not more important than Angie's just because you're a pastor. Or that you're not more called to ministry just because you're a pastor. And, and he'll say, yeah, you know, I never would have said that or espoused that. You know, I, I don't think in my heart I really believe that. But it was just kind of a reminder for him. And so he's been the one really encouraging me and saying, he, he said to me, um, this is your time to shine. You know, and, and I'm praying, and he is too, he's trusting that there's a, a, a thing for him as well, and uh, if the current churches he's talking with don't work out, he said, I, I really feel good, like I'm, it, I know it's a season of preparation for my next, whatever mm -hmm. that is, so. yeah. um, but I think it's the reality that our calling is always lived out in these systems of family and other relationships, and, and so he has his and I have mine, and we've tried to navigate over many years, what's the his and the mine and the hours to that, and mm -hmm. the model that I had was my youth pastor, uh, and his wife, and they were very much a team, and um, and that's how I think I I thought that was the the way and the only way. And Dave and I are very much a team in some pieces, but um, there's some ways that we are wired differently, and from each other and from other married and ministry couples that we know. And so, painting is one thing we can't do well together <laughs> for our marriage. I mean, every couple has their thing, right? You know, sometimes it's I'm know, making the bed or painting or oh. to repairs. And there's certain leadership stuff where where both of us are good and strong leaders, and we you know we're bumping and, and we we restrict each other mm -hmm. by being in too close proximity. Yeah. And so it's been a, a journey of figuring that out. And this is the for us for now yeah. piece of it for what it looks like for us. Right. Uh, just just to say this, I'm I'm interested. I don't think I asked you about this earlier, so I hope this is okay to ask. But um, Angie has a PhD. I just want everybody to know that because I think that's really important to know that, uh, that she has a doctorate. Um, so why didn't you have that on the front of the book? I don't, well, first of all, I joke, I only make Dave call me Dr. Ward in public. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we just joke about that that's all the good. time. Yeah. That's good. Um, we, you know, we talked about with the publisher and I think it's, uh, when we're in some of the publicity stuff, we're saying Dr. Angie mm -hmm. Ward, but uh, I think there was an accessibility piece that we decided not to. So, like for my academic stuff, it's Angela J. Ward, PhD. Okay. And then for this stuff, I'm, I'm yeah. just Angie. I mean, because yeah. there also is this reality of this power distance thing that sure. happens. You know Dr. Apple, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so, you know, and, uh, well, I just wanted everybody to realize that uh, Dr. Ward is, uh, is a brilliant uh, teacher, professor, researcher. She's going to be helping the next generation of uh, ministry students uh, step out into the real world and deal with the issues that they're going to face. And, uh, you know, my, my view of things like this is always to, you know, lift everybody up and want to make sure that uh, you get the acclaim that's necessary. And uh, so that's really important and powerful to us. We're going to be taking a one song break here, but when we come back, we're going to have our second segment here with Angie Ward talking about her book, I am a leader. Make sure that you run out and grab a copy of this from Nav Press. We're grateful for the good press folks out there doing such great work in this book. Thankful for Angie being here, doing good in the community, about now to go out to Denver. So we're going to take that one song break. We'll be right back. We stay on Facebook Live. I just tell everybody that. 
Okay. Just to remind everybody that we're still live. So yeah, there you go. Um, and I always ask everybody, just as we start the second segment, or before we do, uh, where would you like to go from here? I mean, I've got lots of notes I can go. Yeah, we'll take it, whatever your notes are. You okay. know your audience. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy to All right. answer whatever. Uh, I was thinking that um, I wanted to make sure to talk about disequilibrium. Yes, good, good I, teaching term. I right? really like yeah. that. And, you know, of course, being uncomfortable. And uh, and just as a just as a side comment, though, it's always important, you know, the thoroughly biblical emphasis that you see all the way through this is really powerful. But I also wanted to uh, ask you uh, to, to talk about this phrase that I see a number of times in the book, felt God's call. Mm. What does that mean? Yeah, I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really important for everybody to know about. Um, there's another phrase in here uh, where you talk about intentional community mm -hmm. and how important that is. And, you know, you and I, of course, have the same kind of view of, of how this ought to happen, you know, just stuff alone, do stuff together with other people. Um, or some of the other things. Oh, I love the benedictions. Oh, thank you. Oh, yeah. man, that was yeah. so cool. I love those because I'm a big benediction guy. So I, I figured, yeah, out, as you. For your liturgical type. Yeah, I that in that's there right. <laughs> yeah, I, I felt like almost crossing myself or something. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then uh, the section on, just as a side note, uh, continuing conversation at the end of each chapter. I really like that, too, where, you know, this is. You know, I said this stuff, but here's some more things for you. Well, you know, as a teacher, I have to, of have course to, to discuss and apply, right? <laughs> That's right. Right. Yeah, reflective questions. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, and study guides are not as much a thing anymore for books, as you know. So, yeah, but more and more important. I think that's really wise to do it that way and at the end of the chapter or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, I really liked uh, everything that I saw in here. How has been uh, the process of the marketing, the breakout. The it's been good because um, I have, uh, we use kind of a co-marketing arrangement with Christianity, the CT, Leadership okay. Journal and stuff, because nice. they were originally going to publish it as like a single author book, which they don't really do much of. And okay. they had some transition and some editors a couple of years ago before mm -hmm. Tim Dillon came there, but they said, we don't, we don't really do this well, and we think you should think bigger. So then they helped introduced me to some folks at IVP and NAB and through that and, and then eventually ended up with NAB and also my publishers looking at it and stuff. Sure. So yeah, so there's like a full page ad in the newest CT nice. and the print version and uh, their live blog they did an interview with me yesterday. Oh good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, so I think it's been good. As of this morning, I think it was nineteenth or twentieth and right now in Amazon Christian leadership paperback. So yeah. Yeah. I guess that's Look good. I don't know. I mean yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when you get ranked it's good. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm I'm higher than Al Mohler. <laughs> there you go, so, so Al. My work's complete. Yeah, he was at number fifty-six. Yeah. Oh my word, yeah. that's hilarious. Yeah, no, I was like a pretty heady company. That's you know on the oh, yeah. some great books on that list. So, yeah. I don't know how long I'll stay on it, but it's fun to be in their company right now. It's fun, you know. It's, rare air. it's nice to uh, have a team behind you. Obviously, yeah. you've got some. Nav's has been great. I just it's been such a good fit. They're just they they really are discipleship focused publisher. And, but you have, one, I think the thing that stood out to me beyond the publisher was uh, all of the folks behind the scenes that are on that Facebook page that you've got going on. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so the launch team person. So, and then Tyndale does the, they have an alliance thing with Navigator. Okay. So, with Nav Press. 
give them the marketing and things. So, okay. so, but it's all under the like I mean, it's all under the umbrella of Mad Press. But yeah, so they had a good team and a publicist and all that kind of nice. thing. So they've been very supportive of, of the book and done some really cool things to get the word out. So the obvious next question for those of us who write is okay. So when's the next book coming out? Well, the, the <laughs> I don't know when the next book when it will come out. I'm working on the next proposal. Good. Yeah. Yeah, one about the church. So, but I don't have a good looking title for my book yet. Okay. Uh, and so yesterday I was trying to explain it on a, on a video li of the live launch, virtual launch, and I was like, it's it's going to be more interesting than I'm making it sound <laughs> right now. I really hope so. That's yeah. okay. And then the other concept I'm also looking at is powerless leadership. Mm. I know. One, the, the working title for this other one is searching for church and then powerless leadership. Mm. Yeah, I'll buy it for the title. All right. Well, that's all you got a good title. And we're like, this is a great title. I'm yeah. a leader. Yeah, I love it. And the cover's gorgeous. They nailed it. Yeah, I think the simplicity of it, that's what kept standing out to me about this uh, book, was the title. It was just so simple. Yeah. And and the original concepts, we realized that they need to market it as a leadership book, not a right. women's book. And so yes. the original concepts were more like uh, silhouettes of kind of women and very dreamy, that kind yeah. of thing. And I, I kind of jokingly refer to it as, I'm leader girl Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But this is a painting by a guy. Okay. Yeah, and they just zoomed in on it. We come in after this commercial. Okay. Thanks for hanging in there with us, Facebook Live peeps. You know, appreciate inside that. Dirt, that Facebook right. <laughs> We are back for the second segment with Dr. Angie Ward. Uh, thanks ever so much for joining us here today or later on the podcast. Uh, for those of you who are listening on earbuds sometime past this particular uh, day on the 5th of March, we're grateful uh, to have Angie here with us talking about her book, I Am a Leader. And Angie, is, in the first segment, was telling us that she is on her way out to Denver Seminary uh, for a position there. Uh, and we're going to pick back up with the book, some of the things that I noticed in it that uh, I think you're going to be excited to talk about, too. So the very first one here that kind of stuck, struck me as I began the book was uh, this word that makes me smile just saying it, disequilibrium. Um, why is disequilibrium in this book? Uh, well, so first of all, kind of to define, give a little definition, you, disequilibrium is, I mean, that just to, to lose your sense of kind of equilibrium or kind of feel off balance, basically. And it's, um, as you know, it's a, kind of an educator's term, and it's something, uh, you know, or, or anybody who writes about change, that type of thing. Uh -huh. um, and so disequilibrium, we hate it, but there's no change and then therefore no growth without. And so that, and this whole idea of calling often throws you off balance and following God's call. I mean, it causes you to really have to take step by step. And we just talked about like that, that journey and not necessarily the leaps, but, but there's this um, can be disequilibrating. I can't even say that word. That's such a big word. It's better writing it than having to say it sure. in, a, in a conversation. But, um, and, and so yeah, my, and I say in the beginning that my job as a teacher, I'm a teacher at heart, my writing is teaching, you know, mm -hmm. in action. And so is to help, is to make you feel a little uncomfortable and to wrestle mm -hmm. with some stuff and, and think through different perspectives. And some of the women's experiences may not line up with yours or maybe even with your understanding of how it should work, you know. And so so um, in writing that and just the process of calling that, 
that's you know the goal is is to to get a little off balance because that's when you start to learn and to grow and to shift. So this is a strange shift, but as soon as you started talking about being off balance or shifting, my mind, for whatever reason, went to basketball. Are you still a North Carolina fan? I am. I am. <laughs> this is a hard season. Oh. I know. I still am. Yes, okay. I'm a loyal. I'm Tar Heel wed. Okay. Yeah. yeah right. Absolutely. Just yeah. so you know, Nobody everybody, else. the woman, you know, the whole rock and the basketball thing, you know, she's right here. Yeah. So I think that's really important just to say out loud. And I think I put in there that I was a sports writer. I mean, I talk about I was a sports yeah. writer. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I yeah, love I'm that still, stuff. Yeah, that's great. My boobs. For whatever reason, I don't know why that came to my mind, but there it is. Okay. <laughs> my, my audience is uh, probably grinning right now saying, yeah, Mark just kind of gets chuckles out of whatever. Uh, so uh, this phrase that kind of keeps coming up in the book uh, kind of had me, and I have to ask, because I think it's important for everybody to know, uh, what do you mean when you say, felt God's call? What does that mean? Yeah, that's a great question. I should write a book about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's kind of an odd combination, felt call mm -hmm. instead of a heard call. Yeah. Um, and in the book, I, you know, I talk about, you know, what is calling and, and how does how do we hear or feel or understand God's call? And and um, the way I describe it in my experience, and uh, different women in the book have very different experiences, but but um, for me, and I always point to like the back of my ear here, and so I feel mm -hmm. like it's it's like it's a loud to me. It's not an audible voice, but it's a it's it's almost like somebody tapped me on the shoulder, mm -hmm. and and it's clearly like talking right to me, mm -hmm. and it's like. Um, so it's not an audible voice to me or to anybody else, but it's still clear, and there are still words for me. Some people have more of an impression. Mm -hmm. Some people I know I've actually heard sometimes audible things or seen. God can use natural or supernatural mm -hmm. means. But so for me, I, I, I say I, I describe I do this because that's where I feel it or hear mm -hmm. it, and it's it's like a, a strong whisper that I know is meant just for me and usually I know exactly what it means even if it's not going to be easy and it's always for me accompanied by great peace in the moment even mm -hmm. if it's a really hard or big or you know challenging thing that he's telling me to do whether you know it's like you need you need to have that conversation with that mm -hmm. person you, you know and I we really should repent for that you know kind of thing or um, I'm going to show you something you know mm -hmm. kind of thing and and so um, I think part of the process of discerning calling is just learning to hear the shepherd's voice mm -hmm. and when what is he how does that feel and sound to you and and not that it's only based on emotion but there is a it's a deep sense of I mean there's like a deep conviction to it and a piece where it's not just words up here or just in your head type of thing there's a there's a I don't know like an embodiment in your whole body kind of thing like yes if if you're getting the sense that it's hard to describe what Angie's yeah, it experiencing, is. it's very difficult to describe. So I'm going to turn it on you. How do you? Yeah, so good. I was about to actually yeah. tell you about oh, that. Yeah. yeah. So how do you a, experience God's I am a big believer in the Holy Spirit. Just so you know. Oh, good. Good. <laughs> I like to make those kinds of statements. Yeah. yeah, that's just kind of out there. Um, and I'm also a big believer in, in Jesus' view of the Holy Spirit in John chapter 3, where he said, uh, Holy Spirit is likened to the wind, and who knows where that blows. Right. 
I absolutely love that. Yeah. So, those were at Listus, I yeah. think, in the King James. <laughs> the King James, yeah. yeah. Listus always makes me right. feel like I'm right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's just in the lip realm. Yeah, there, you, there yeah. it is again. Oh, man. I love laughing during the radio shows. So, uh, if when people ask me about this, and people have asked, you know, how do you know? I will use one word, and that's the word compulsion. Mm-hmm. Now, people will say, well, how do you know? And I'll tell them, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just know. Yeah. Now, that sounds weird, but it's probably something similar to, you know, you hear it right here. Yeah. And that concept, I think, and, it, and this is important. If, there's, are there, if there are folks out there listening who aren't Christians or who haven't been Christians very long, I think this is going to be really difficult for them to grasp because you have to be committed to this uh, view of life and things, and the, the change has to have been internalized because of Jesus' salvation in our lives for us to really understand what that feels like. Yeah, although I think sometimes... The longer uh, we follow Christ, or you know, we're kind of in that world of Christianity. Sometimes there's a lot of other voices that can drown out the voice of the Holy Spirit as well. Yeah. And so, and sometimes those are internal. It's my own doubts or fears mm-hmm. or concerns or people saying, "Here's what you should or should not do." You know, and so that's why I said, if it's of God, there's peace. Mm-hmm. You know, and and so like there's perfect love and perfect peace. And so if I start feeling anxious. Not that I don't have questions sometimes, but if I start feeling like this, you know, and that, so that's the, my physical expression of, I guess, of that, you know, then I then I know it's like, okay, I'm either I'm letting my own doubts come in, or um, I'm listening to other voices that are throwing me off track here, you know, and, and so there's a, a deep-seated piece you know. Yeah. You just know. Yeah. And I can't really explain it any further than that, just as much as I don't think anybody really can. Well, how'd you know that Robin was going to want to marry? You knew, right? Oh, that's, see now, that's, that, that would have not I don't need the whole story, exactly. Yeah, see, this is, this is when, if, if Robin hears this, this is going to be, I'm going to hear this later, she's going to say, oh, no. I wish, no, no, I wish but, I was there so I could tell the story. Yeah, see right, now? exactly, but, but, but it is, it's a relational yeah, thing, you, you know, and yeah. so there's not like a checklist, right? you know, that you went, okay, Robin meets all this, Dave meets all this, yeah. you know, uh, and so there is a different type of knowing. Too. It is, yeah. Even the uh, the truth and two that we put out this week on conflict quality, mm-hmm. uh, I write in there about how um, we don't really think about it, write papers about it. We just live this way. Mm-hmm. I can't explain that any further than that. Yeah. Uh, it, and it, you know, frankly, isn't it kind of nice when you just live theology and you don't mm-hmm. always have to, you know, be writing papers about it. Yeah. Just live it. Yeah. <laughs> that, exactly. that might be important. Yeah. You're going to be talking about that in your class. Right? I, I, I already <laughs> am. Yes. Yeah. I know. I'm talking about applied theology versus just your systematics up That's here. right. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be. If it, if you can't answer the question, so what? Who cares? Why should I listen to you today? Then you know, mm-hmm. there's that. So, so uh, let's talk a little bit about intentional community. One of the things that struck me as I was reading this book was about that and the need to actually, you know, whether it be doing study or academic work together or just doing life together in whatever venue, uh, talk about why that's so important for you. Yeah, I, I think, um, first of all, I think uh, in 
at least modern evangelicalism, it's become so individualistic. And I think, I mean, you read throughout the New Testament, and, and it's a community of people. And, and even historically, in the historical church, um, it was, the believers were known for how they did life together, not for what they knew necessarily. You know, there, there's a piece of the doctrine, and watch your life and doctrine closely. But, but um, and, and so I think, there's a missing communal piece to this idea of calling, too, where it's confirmed in community and affirmed by community and people who are seeing you in action saying, yes, I see God at work through this in your life and in you through this, you know. Yes. And, yeah. And, um, and, yeah, so I think we, we just have, well, um, this is what I feel, so this is what I'm going to do, you mm -hmm. know. And, and calling is like ultimately responsible you know, to an audience of one. You're a steward of what God has invited you into. But, um, you know, a true community should be stewarding that with you and for you as well. And so, you know, at our church, you know, our leadership, you know, they're responsible for the, the callings and giftings of those that the people he has entrusted to us as leaders. Mm -hmm. This is These are huge ideas here that, that for us in a world where there's too many celebrities, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I think the church has fallen into that yeah. as well, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and community also tests and tries calling. It's a place yes. to live it out, and as opposed to just a person with an idea or a person with a dream mm -hmm. um, or a person with gifts. We often go with gifts and True. popularity first instead of going, you know, is uh, this really tested in, and, and his character is also forged in community. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just the, the activity of our calling, but the character of, of patience and obedience and humility and servitude, servitude, service, you know, all those things are confirmed and forged in community. It, so as you say those words, it strikes me to just mention uh, Acts 16 and Apollos. We have the husband-wife team who takes mm -hmm. him aside and explains the way of uh, Jesus more clearly. But Apollos, even before this, he was this brilliant apologist. Mm -hmm. Well, after he came out of this meeting in with a, the husband and wife in the community of the church, he was even that much more equipped, better equipped. And nobody could stand up to him. I mean, he's this brilliant mind, but he needed that community spirit behind him that says, there's a couple things here that you know you might need to know. About, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and so even with Apollos, you see the tendency to want to put people on a pedestal or a platform. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. You yes. know, kind of thing. And, and so I think community keeps us grounded and keeps us humble as well. Yeah. Uh, people are actually, if, if they actually care about you as leaders, then uh, they're going to actually tell you what's wrong. I mean, what does that famous line in Proverbs say? Uh, better, uh, what is it about the, the wise person? Better the strike against you from a friend than the kisses of an enemy. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just think faith are the wounds of a friend. Is, That's yeah. it. Thank you. Yeah, but yeah. I think there's one similar too. Yeah. This is these are powerful ideas, and I, you know, it's it's nice to draw some of this stuff out in a book like this because it's important for everybody to realize. Um, I wanted also to just mention uh, that I love the benedictions in your book, and I want, you know, tell, just tell everybody. Why did you include a benediction? And maybe for those who don't know what a benediction is, maybe you should explain that too. But uh, we're talking about I am a leader. Uh, Angie Ward is here with us. So Angie, why did you put benedictions in your book? Well, uh, and so so benediction is a lot of times in, in um, more liturgical, actually even if not, they just don't call it a benediction. It's kind of a closing and a blessing and a mm -hmm. prayer over the people kind yes. of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I just felt, 
like it, it needed, this was a holy space in the book, I, you know, and I'm not trying to like elevate as, well, I wrote this holy, you know, scripture <laughs> kind of thing, but as I wrote it, it was very sacred space and sharing these stories and almost feeling the experiences of these other women and my own and, and reflecting my own journey. And God's, God's presence was, I think, in it. And so I felt like I just wanted to, those were one of the first ideas I had actually was just like to, to leave people with a, a blessing of if this is your situation, I, I want you to know this or may you this with yeah. God, you know, kind yeah. of thing. And, um, and then close with that benediction also from Richard Halverson about calling. But mm -hmm. yeah, so I wrote the ones um, before that and, and um, hope they're encouraging oh. that they are. Yeah, absolutely. I think anytime uh, anybody ends uh, a book like this or any kind of speech or something, uh, giving the sense that, you know, somebody is actually blessing them with mm -hmm. words and with the life that they've been given uh, to do uh, for us. Yeah, and I feel like those of us who are, you know, if you're reading the book, it be, you become a come become part of the community sure. of this book and reading yeah. it. And so it's almost like we have this shared worshipful moment. And so it's like, now go. Yeah, you know? right. And, and I like that concept. I don't, I don't think we talk much about that as authors, do we, about the community of the people that are reading the oh, yeah, Good point. Yeah. yeah, I think, again, we individualize. Did you read this book? Well, I read this book. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we have clubs, but really... Yeah, we, we become transformed through, together. There's, there's you, know, you know, through the process. Like, we've had a shared experience. Right. It, it strikes me to say that, that it might be important to recognize the church history is important. And that we, you know, we become part of that community as mm -hmm. well as we're reading church history. Yeah. And you're going to be working with uh, Marshall Shelley, whose dad wrote that Great book. Yes, Church History in Plain Language. Yeah, I actually. love that book. Yeah. One of the yeah. famous books of really of Christendom for the common person like me that, you know, there weren't any pictures, you know, Dr. Seuss wasn't there, but yeah. you know, I could have used yeah. a picture as well. And then in benediction, I mean I even say like to those who are have gone on before. You know, yeah. it's like this this there's this great cloud of witnesses, you know, with us and our calling and the people of the church and of faith who have gone before and those who come behind and so hopefully this is a a gift to those who come behind, sure. and yeah. So let's talk about the gift for a moment, because you know, quite frankly, this is a gift in this day and age. T talk about the intersection between what you've written, what you've taught, uh, this particular book, as it relates to the cultural moment. You mentioned Me Too a moment ago, mm -hmm. uh, and maybe some of the megastars of the church that have fallen, those kinds of things. Talk about why a book like this is so important uh, in a time like this. Well, uh, it's, it's, I don't want to toot my own horn. Let so me toot I guess, your horn. Yeah. This is an important book for this time, but <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it, it's happened to drop into this culture moment where there's conversations about, just so many conversations about power and what is um, Christocentric or like a, a Christ-centered or mm -hmm. cruciform, you know, uh, power. Like what is, what, what is Jesus' power? Like, you know, that's why I talk about power to less leadership. That's why I started mm -hmm. reflecting on that as a, yeah. a possible book down the road. And so, um, yeah, I think we need to kind of step back and, and instead of fighting for more power, and I, I think, especially when it comes to uh, like women in leadership or pow power issues, we view it as a zero sum game. I mean, we see this with the elections last night as we're recording this was the Super Tuesday Democratic, you know, primaries. And so we view it, if I, if I give some up, then, um, 
or if I if you gain some, I lose. You know, and there's a limited amount to go around. And so that's why the chapter in calling an authority, I really reframe it to mutual to accountability and stewardship, and again, community. And these are principles yes. that apply to all of us as right. men and women, the community of faith, uh, and um, instead of this power, which is then permission. Uh, power over and permission giving or permission taking away and and so I think our our culture not just about not just church culture and contemporary evangelicalism but I think our culture needs to see a new way of of thinking about power and like can you have peaceful power you know and that type of, what what's what's the Jesus way in these conversations mm -hmm. one of the ways that I describe this to students um, is we've all been given authority and I, I show them my open hand and it rests in my open hand. But as soon as I close my fingers around that open hand, it now becomes a fist to beat you with. Mm -hmm. yeah. So there is, I'm, that's why I'm so glad when I read your book and I saw, you know, she's focusing on authority, not power. Mm -hmm. And the emphasis on authority is we've all been given authority for yeah. everything. I mean, I'm given authority for everything I own, you know, the clothes on my back, whatever. Uh, and I think that's important to recognize that this is a Genesis 128, and we're supposed to manage yeah. and conserve what we've been given. Yeah. Then it becomes a stewardship. Now, yes, yeah. thank you. So, so let's kind of tease that out a little bit and talk about the necessity of recognizing that authority is stewardship and your views on those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, well, so I think um, yeah, and so I define leadership as influence, and we and so I say the question is not whether you. Uh, uh, whether you have it or where, and then how are you going to steward that? And so, so um, a, lot of, a lot of women and men say, well, I'm not a leader, meaning I'm not in this position. And we view it again as power over, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing on the yes. organizational chart. And and um, I just think this, this idea of stewardship is such so important and such a neglected concept mm -hmm. in most of our Christian communities and church and certainly the political world, even Christians in politics, oh, yeah. you know. And so... Yeah. Like what is you, know, you that just flips everything over, flips it on its head, you know. Instead of uh, how to have power and how to get people to do it, how am I going to be called to account mm -hmm. and responsible for um, the people and the gifts and the you know their callings and you know that applies if you apply that to to political leaders, you apply that to church leaders, you know, and and you think through some of the major. Um, implosions, explosions uh, at some, you know, larger churches and, right. and others. I mean, you just think if that was a stewardship perspective, would that maybe have, if you framed it through that, would that maybe have changed what happened? Yes. You know, instead of what be, can easily become empire building and too big to fail, and it's, and it's like, we, then we become afraid of losing, mm -hmm. you know, and and stewardship then is not afraid of truth-telling and truth-seeking, you know, it's a completely different so the whole emphasis in leadership is not to gain, but to give. Absolutely. We've been uh, talking with Angie Ward here today. I'm grateful for her presence. Angie, if you could take you know, 60 seconds to kind of summarize uh, what do you want to leave people with about this great book, I Am a Leader, uh, what would it be? Oh, boy, that's bad. So, um, Elevator speech. Yeah, exactly. For women, you are unique. God has invited you to join him in this work in this world, and that can look a whole lot of different ways. It doesn't, there's no, don't compare callings or how God calls you or any of that type of thing, how he speaks to you. Um, but also, you are not alone. There's a, a community of people, of women, 
of men, uh, you know, who are on this journey with you, just following Christ, seeking to follow him. And so um, I hope that uh, women will get that from the book, and I hope that um, men will also read the book and just understand better what it's like, the unique challenges of being a woman leader. And so that together we're having conversations like this um, that are, you know, non-threatening, non-anxious, you know, but, but can help us grow together in community uh, with Christ and for Christ. I think you're... Uh... Your new venue in Denver is going to provide you lots of opportunities for these kind of Looking conversations. This is Angie Ward's book, I'm a Leader. When Women Discover the Joy of Their Calling uh, from Nav Press, make sure that you run out and grab a copy of this. This is fantastic stuff. You don't want to miss the opportunity, especially uh, during Women's History Month, but quite frankly, any day uh, where we need to have uh, good reminders of what it means to be a good leader. So Thanks, we're grateful for that. So glad to be on here with you. Yeah. It's always, yeah, it's super to see the smile on your face. That's good. Well, uh, we're going to continue Women's History Month next week when Deja Henry is going to be here with us. Uh, Deja is a filmmaker, and she is uh, somebody here in Indianapolis who's making a huge difference in terms of the arts. Very excited to have Deja with us. But, of course, uh, we're always grateful to tell you about the folks behind the scenes. H.B. Bell sitting right across the table from me. We're really grateful for his work, obviously, as producer and the man who has run this uh, program and platform for almost nine years now. We're grateful to have been a part for four. And so thanks, HB. And then, of course, we have uh, Josh Collingwood, who behind the scenes takes care of all our digitization, HB. HB loves it when I say digitization. Only a doctor. Only a doctor says stuff like that, right? Yeah, so there it is, Josh. Thanks so much for all your good work on on all of our websites and certainly pushing out uh, the podcast later on, which, by the way, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, you can pick this up later. But you can also see this, uh, and you can send out and share the archived footage here of Facebook Live. So feel free to go ahead and do that. Thanks ever so much for joining us here again today. Uh, next week, we'll be talking with Deja Henry. Uh, we are looking for people, Christians who are doing good throughout Indianapolis. Please let us know, folks that we need to have on the show. Thanks ever so much for being with us. We'll see you again next week.